0: Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Welcome to Harvest. My name is Trey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And I just want to say, welcome. It is good to see you all. And I'll say this it's good to physically see you all. And because Last week, and since we've opened, it has been a struggle to physically see you here on stage because the lights are here and it's been so dark out there. But if you've noticed, we have our lights in place, um, which is awesome. And um, I just want to thank, yeah, absolutely, why not clap it up? Uh, I just want to thank you guys for your generosity, and because of your generosity, um, we have been able to steward this place that we call our church home here at Harmony Middle School well, um, and uh, it looks amazing. It feels amazing. I can actually see you guys, which is also amazing. To so to those of you who are sermon nodders, no longer. All right. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's good to see you all. Uh, we are going to do something a little bit different. We're not in a sermon series. We're not in a collection of talks. Um, next week, we're going to start a brand new series called Hero Maker, um, and I'm really excited for it. But um, today, I am going to preach a message on um, storms. And I was like doing sermon prep this week, and I was just like, you know what? If I don't preach on storms, I'm doing something wrong, right? Like the storm's coming in, I gotta preach on a storm. It just makes sense. So the title of today's message is simply this. What's going on? What is going on? Um, I remember for my bachelor party when I got when me and my wife were getting married, um, I told my brother was my best friend my best man, he was like, what do you want to do for a bachelor party? I said, I want to go snowboarding. I love snowboarding. Um, I would much rather go to the mountains than to the beach. Um, and I was like, I want to go snowboarding. And so, uh, I grew up going snowboarding. My dad was a youth pastor and they used to take ski trips with their student ministry a lot. So from the age of four to, uh, I graduated high school. I went snowboarding every year with our student ministry. Um, and, uh, I just just love it. So we went snowboarding, and um, there was this one day that everything that could go wrong went wrong. I remember we were uh, going down this run, and at the end of the run, it, like, uh, opened up into where the ski lift is, where the lodge is. And so that's where everybody on all these different runs were starting to converge. And um, I— At the end of this run that we were going down, we noticed there was a little place on the side that it dipped down and came back up. So it was like a little jump. And a couple of me and my buddies, um, some of us were experienced, others of us, it was their first time snowboarding. Um, And uh, I go down. I do the jump. It wasn't anything crazy. I maybe got like a foot of air, all right? So before you think like, this guy's X Games. No, I'm not. Like, it was It was pretty pathetic. But in the moment, um, you feel like amazing. So like, I jump up, I land, I, I like, I stop and I look back. And I'm like, righteous. And uh, I turn around and another one of my buddies hits it. Um, and then it's um, my brother's turn to come and hit this jump. Now, it's my brother's first time snowboarding. And uh, he comes down the mountain and he jumps, and mid-jump, he just goes parallel to the ground. And then he hits really hard, uh, and I could tell something was up, but I didn't think anything of it. And so we just, uh, he, he got up, and I'm like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm good. As I'm checking on him, I hear this person screaming. And I look up at the ski lift, and some person is hanging on to the ski lift. They had fallen off the ski lift, and they're hanging on to it. And so all these people are rushing over to help this person uh down off the ski lift well while they're doing that i'm not making this up while they're doing that i hear somebody else screaming and this person is flying down the mountain on skis they don't know how to stop they don't know how to do the pizza right if you've been skiing before you pizza if you're a beginner you slosh if you're an expert so they're not pizzaing or nor are they sloshing they're just going and they're going and they fly off of the snow onto the grov, the gro like the rock area right in front of the lodge and they end up breaking their back. And my friend who is a uh, emergency response person runs over there. This person has a broken back. They're having a seizure. He yells, call 911. I'm trying to make sure my brother's okay. The person on the ski lift is hanging there. This person over here has a broken back and like the They all were fine at the end of the day. Um, But uh, I was like, there was a moment, I was like, what is going on right now? Like, I was like fearful that we were about to get bombed or something. Like, that's like the next step of chaos at that point, or an avalanche by all means. I just didn't know what was going to happen. And I got to this moment where like, that's happening. This is happening. The person was like, my brother's hurting. Like, what is going on? And maybe, and I don't, I don't know your story, but maybe even now, or you have been in, in moments where you look around at life, you look at our culture, you look at your home, you look at your family, your friends, your community, whatever, and there is so much going on that you ask the question a lot, and maybe internally, maybe not audibly, what is going on right now? Like, what is going on in our home Like, why is there this tension between me and my husband and me and my spouse, me and my kids? What is going on in my workplace? Why do I feel ostracized and marginalized? What is going on in our country right now? What is going on in our world? There's brokenness. There's disunity. There is natural disasters going on. Like, what is going on? What is going on? We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, and a little bit of uh, what's been going on in Jesus' life and the disciples' life is this. Jesus uh, has been teaching, and in fact, he's been teaching and healing so much that his name is beginning to spread. So, multitudes of people are coming to hear this guy preach and speak. And so, Jesus positions himself into uh, the shoreline, and there's a mountainside that people are just listening to him speak. Well, there's so many people, uh, he has to get on a boat and push himself offshore just to talk to everybody. And from Mark uh, chapter 4, verses 14 through um verses 14 through 34 here's what jesus is teaching he's teaching about if you sow a seed of faith and you give it time for it to be nurtured if you uh, give a small seed of faith and give it nurture it will grow exponentially so he teaches this big lesson on faith to this crowd and he takes time to explain what he meant to his disciples uh, a little bit more in depth right after that. And it comes time where the day is coming to an end. And Jesus on his mission has got to get from one side of the sea to the next. And so he looks at his disciples and goes, hey, we've got to go to the other side. And so he gets done preaching. Now understand the context. I want you to remember this. is so why I'm going to repeat this. He's preaching on a seed of faith that is planted in the heart of a believer if given nurture and time and experience will grow exponentially. That's the whole sermon that Jesus has just preached right? So we pick up in verse 35, and I want us to read this together. If you have your Bibles, turn there, phone swipe there. If not, it'll be on the Sky Bible for your convenience. But Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 30, or 41, it says this. On that day, when evening had come, he said to him, his disciples, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them and the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose Afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? One of the things that I think is a big misconception in Christianity is this that if you follow Jesus, life has to be perfect that when you decide to follow Jesus, that there will be an abundance of blessing on your life that nothing bad can or should ever happen, right? And when bad things do happen, we have a woe is me moment. Like I've been to church, I serve, I volunteer, I I memorize verses, I have centered my life around this, I have a sign in my kitchen that says, live, laugh, love, right? Like I have done everything, God, what more do you want from me, right? Right? And then when bad things happen, we're like, what is going on? But here's the truth that I think a lot of us forget sometimes. Just because you are in God's will does not mean you are out of harm's way. That Just because you are in God's will does not mean you are out of harm's way. Here we have the disciples, right? I think it's important to note that Jesus invites the disciples. Jesus invites the disciples in verse 35 to go to the other side with him. He invites, and it says that disciples went with him and other people too. So believers, disciples, and maybe some other people who weren't disciples, all in God's will, following him in obedience. And they were trusting him. And they're all following just as he asked. But because they were following Jesus, I think the last thing they expected was a storm, right? And because we're with Jesus, because they were with Jesus, we've said yes to him. Great. Two thumbs up. You're doing a great job. And when bad things happen, we automatically think we're out of God's will and we've done something wrong. But that is not always the case. Sometimes things just happen. And just because you are in God's will does not mean that you are out of harm's way. And then when we th- but we think though things have got to go perfect and when things don't go ro- perfect, boom, we think we're doing something wrong. How often is that our mindset? Is that your mindset? Is that my mindset of like, I'm in God's will. I should be out of harm's way, right? And then boom, a storm hits. And out of nowhere, winds arise and 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 rain starts to come down. And, and you're in this huge storm where you are like, what is going on? Well, what is a storm? Sometimes preachers can like be very abstract and vague. Maybe you're going through a storm in life and... It could just be very non-practical well here's a storm here's what a storm is A storm is something that interrupts the ideal that's what a storm is a storm is something that just interrupts the ideal whatever your version of ideal is where there's no uh friction there's no pushback there's no struggle or harm that's the ideal and then when it's not ideal Because there is brokenness and because there is sin, that's a storm. So a storm is something that disrupts the calm sea, that disrupts the ideal. And some are big, some are small. Regardless, they can easily distract and grab our attention. But here's a truth that I think we can pull from this passage we just read: that here's this. A storm that is weathered in faith will always increase your faith and give you a deeper experience with God. A storm that is weathered in faith will always increase your faith and give you a deeper experience with God. Storms are unpleasant, yes, but they all come with a purpose. And I think there are three storms that these disciples face that we often face. And I want to give you these three storms very quickly. First storm is this, the storm of circumstances. Storm of circumstances. This was not a storm that God created. Nowhere in this passage does it say God mustered up this great and mighty storm and sent it the disciples' way to test their faith, right? And there's this—Facebook I, I, theology is one of my favorite things, right? Like the, maybe you've seen it. God gives his toughest battles to his toughest troops, right? As if God creates these battles and hands it to us, and here we are like, okay, I don't know what you want me to do, that isn't always the case. In fact, that's rarely the case. But God will, again, permit things to happen and allow things to happen to allow us to grow in faith. So this, this storm was not God made, but God allowed. And so they're walking in this season and circumstance where they were going, what is going on? Why is this happening? And these storms of circumstance, these storms of, these storms of circumstances, here's the thing. We have no control over them. Have you ever been in a moment or in a storm or in a season or in a, search, a situation where you're like, I have no control over what's about to happen next. As much as I want to manipulate circumstances, as much as I want to change what's going on, as much as I want to, to just white knuckle my way out of this, I can't do a thing about a thing right now. And I'm literally just like, I don't know what to do. This is the storm of Circumstance. They couldn't control the wind, the rain, the sea, or the rocking boat. And there are some things in life, and this is hard to accept, but it's the truth that are just simply out of our control. So here's the truth. You can be in the will of God and in a storm and have no control about what to do about it. You can be in the middle of God's will, right where you're supposed to be and all of your spiritual counsel, advisors, pastors, whatever, we can look at you and say, hey, you are exactly where God has like, called you to be. You're exactly in his will. To like, We want to affirm that in your life. Well, then what am I supposed to do about this? There's nothing you can't do. That's the storm of circumstance. And these storms can create, and maybe you felt this, a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. Because they are in God's will, yet they are seemingly helpless at this moment. Have you been there? Have you experienced that feeling? This is the storm of circumstance. Second storm is this, the storm of emotion. The storm of emotion. They're panicking, right? They're freaking out in this storm. Where is Jesus during this time of panic? Where is Jesus during the storm that is against them? And that makes these disciples feel helpless and panicky it was because of his seemingly absence at this moment that drove them to fear and panic they have this uncontrollable storm of circumstance that leads to this stor- uh, storm of emotion maybe you have felt it you're scared of what the doctor reports are going to say you're 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 scared of what your bank account looks like because you know the bills that are coming up that month. You're scared. You're scared about financial struggle. You're, you have, you're scared about relationships. And because this is out of your control at this point, and because you have no control and you feel helpless and hopeless in the matter, helplessness and hopelessness in our minds and in our theology outside of a biblical perspective means God's absent, whenever that's not the case. And whatever it is you can't control that's causing your emotions to be uprooted because whatever that storm is, it's so big and deep and devastating, you cannot make it bend to your will. This is the storm of the emotion because of your storm of circumstance. Do you feel that? Have you been there before? The storm of circumstance causes a storm of emotion. Which leads us to our third storm, which is the storm of faith. The disciples have just woken up Jesus and asked him, do you not care? You see, that's the storm of faith. Because our circumstances are out of control, our emotions are all over the place. Therefore, what I've read about, heard about, and believed about you doesn't match, and now I question everything. And this is the storm of faith. And I have been where the disciples have been before. Have you? You know who else has been where the disciples had been before? It was Mary and Martha. These two sisters, and they had a brother named Lazarus who Jesus considered them dear friends. And Jesus is healing people, and they send a messenger to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, our brother Lazarus, he's sick and he's dying. And here's what Jesus does to do. He doesn't leave the people he's ministering to and just sprint to Lazarus. He goes, okay, okay, let me finish up here. And he waits three days before he makes his way over to Bethany, before he makes his way over to Lazarus. And he shows up on scene and they're weeping, they're crying, they're like, if you would have been here, things would have ended differently. If you would have showed up, this would have played out differently in our favor. So the blame is put on Jesus. Do you even care? Have you been there? The storm of circumstance causes the storm of emotion and the storm of circumstance and emotions cause a storm of faith. you are like, what is going on? Well, luckily, the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't end there. Does Jesus, what does Jesus do? So what does he do? He gets up and he tells the storm and the sea to stop. And they stop. We have the disciples in the fight of their lives, right? Like frantically crazy circumstance that they have no control over. Emotions are at an all time high and they're questioning where is Jesus at this moment? They're trying, they have buckets and they're trying to get water out of the boat. And like, Jesus, do you even care? More like, where is Jesus? I think he's asleep. What? (laughs) Right? Like, first of all, what kind of melatonin did he take right before this? Because there's no way, right? If my white noise machine cuts off in the middle of the night, I'm awake and I'm angry. (laughs) Right? Here's Jesus asleep in the middle of a storm and in a boat. Right? Two places you don't sleep well. And he's asleep, and the disciples are are frantic, and what do they do? They go and wake him up, and he walks out and just goes, peace, be still. The message translation, it says this, the wind lost its breath. The wind that was crazy and, and blowing things way out of proportion, Jesus snatched the breath away out of the wind. And essentially, here's what Jesus did in that moment. When he walks to the front of the boat and says, peace be still, here's what he does. He, he's not just talking to the storm. He's also talking to his disciples and his followers. So in a moment, he looks at the storm and he looks at his followers and he says, I am in control of it all. I am God, peace be still. Peace be still in the circumstance and in the storm. And peace be still in your hearts and in your spirits because I am God and I am in control. I am God and I am in control. And then Jesus turns and he looks at his disciples and he goes, Why are you so afraid? This question always bothered me, right? Wouldn't it bother you? Like, we're in the fight of our lives. Feeling like this storm is about to overtake us. Water is filling up the boat. First of all, and just side note about me, I have a huge fear of water. Like, I just, I don't like it. If I can't see the bottom of where I'm at, I'm not getting in the water. Like, I am the world's best tuber because I refuse to let go of the rope. Because I know that when I let go of the rope, every alligator in central Florida is coming straight for me. I just know it, right? And there are great white sharks in, like, the bodies of water that you tube in, right? Like, the, the local lakes, there's sharks in there, right? We all know that. And I, I just, I have a fear of that. I have a fear of drowning, right? It's a lot of childhood drama. I don't want to get into it. This isn't for that. But I just have a fear of all things to do with water, right? And so I never liked this question where the boat is filling up with water and Jesus turns to the disciples and goes, guys, why were you so afraid? I'm like, "Oh, because the boat was filling up with water. That's why Jesus, right? <laughs> like, I don't know what you want me to say at this moment. Like, I don't have a theological answer as to why I'm scared and panicky and anxious. Like, I'm, I'm scared because I think I'm going to be overtaken by this storm. Like I'm scared this is going to take everything out of me. I'm scared it's going to overwhelm me that the boat's going down with it. Like We were scared and you weren't here. So we thought. Like, What do you mean why am I so afraid? The boat's filling up with water and you're taking a siesta, Jesus but I want to go back to verse 35. What does Jesus tell his disciples and to those that get on the boat with him that are in God's will? He doesn't say, get on this boat and figure it out. He says, hey, let's go to the other side. So before the journey starts, there is a promise made of you will reach the other side. And he made the same promise to his disciples. Hey, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, hey, let's go and die in the storm. He said, hey, let's go to the other side. We left the shore full of encouragement because of my teachings on faith. This is what Jesus is pretty much saying. I just preached a message about a small seed of faith. If given nurture and time, it will grow exponentially. And now we have a moment where you had an opportunity to exercise faith and you freaked out. You left the shore full of encouragement because you were with me, and then a storm arose, and now you questioned me. But I made a promise to you let's go to the other side. What happened? Their problem overrode his promise. And how often do we live in light of our problem rather than the light of his promises? Here's the thing. When we live in light of our problem, we erase the notion that God ever made a promise. When our problem is the foundation of our lives that we are all encompassed by and standing on, hoping and praying that this doesn't give way, rather than the unshakable rock, which is Christ Jesus and his gospel and his promise. We, it, it it pretty much erases the notion that God ever made a promise to begin with because we're not living like it. And we can say all we want. I have a good God. I'm blessed. God bless us. Like God bless me. Like I I'm I'm living in the favor of the Lord. Like joy is like, it's like imparted on my spirit, Trey, right? and I am living full of faith, full of joy, full of wonder. I'm like, God is just great. And I'm growing in his ever-loving view and perspective of who God is. God is great. And then a storm hits, and we're like, I can't even do this anymore. <sighs> I'm leaving the church. I'm leaving my faith, right? I'm, I'm done with all of this. I can't do this anymore. And I am not making fun of you, if that is you. And I'm not making fun of the storm, and I'm not making fun of people that do that. I am saying that if that is you, like Jesus taught in his parables, you have built your house upon the sand which the storm wipes out rather than the house on the rock which the storm can't move. I encourage you to live your life as if God's promises are true and real just as much as the storm is. And it's easier said than done. Why? Because the storm is what moves the boat. The storm is what we feel on our face when it is hard to see because the rain is hitting so hard. We feel the water rising. The rain is coming down so hard. Lightning is all around us, and we don't know which direction is north, which direction is west, east, or south. We just know, and here's all you need to know, that you're not alone in the boat. That when you don't see his promise and you all you see is his or the problems, the thing you don't need to internalize is the problem, the thing you need to internalize is the promise. The problem overrode his promise. Don't live in light of the problem rather than the promise. If the band wants to go ahead and make their way up, I'm, I'm almost done. And we continue on in the story and it says this, and it talks about how God doesn't ignore the storm. And he doesn't want you to deny them either. If you're going through a storm, call it a storm. Don't call it a sunny day. (laughs) Right? Don't think and say, like, hey, man, how you doing? I mean, I'm good. You know, both my parents are in the hospital. I don't know if they're going to make it. Really struggling in my marriage. Don't know how we're going to go. Like, don't know how we're going to figure this out. I'm really struggling with this. I'm really struggling with that. I'm really struggling. And I don't, I can't fill in every circumstantial thing or but if it's a storm, call it a storm. Don't call it a sunny day. Don't don't live in ignorance. Jesus didn't ignore the storm, and neither should you. You see, this is what I always believed. That Jesus when when the disciples say, "Hey Jesus, there's a storm going on." And Jesus said, "Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith?" He acknowledged the storm, he we should as well. But I always thought that Jesus was mad. Right? Like that's how I was taught of like, "Why are you of such little faith?" I'm like, "Oh, sorry, Jesus." Like I guess I won't come to you next time. Like I guess I won't run to your presence next time. I guess I'll just leave the door shut and we'll just stay out here and die. Like I don't know what you, what do you want me to do? right? Because everything else in the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may receive help in times of trouble, right? Everything else in scripture says, go to scripture, go to Jesus, go to his presence, go to him in prayer, go to his word for guidance, go to, go to him, right? Everything else in scripture says this, but in the story, you were upset that the disciples came to you. No, 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 that's not what this, that's not why Jesus was upset, and he wasn't even mad. I always thought that he was mad, but that wasn't the case, Jesus didn't take issue with the fact that they came to him. It was how they came to him. They came to him with faithlessness, not faith filled. They came to him and said, Do you not care that we are all about to die? And he goes, Whoa, 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 whoa. Where is your faith? He's not mad at them for waking him up and, and bringing them in, bringing him into their problems and into their storm. We should do that. I want to encourage you. Bring Jesus into it. He took issue with the fact of how they came to him. With faithlessness. Of we're going to die and you're not going to do a thing about it. So Jesus... They called on him, and Jesus walks out to the boat, and he looks at the storm, and again he looks at the disciples, and he just goes, Stop, peace, and the storm it wasn't like it just like slowly just like stopped it was a... he sucked the the breath out of the wind, and it just stopped. And the boat went from rocking and fear of just the disciples look at each other they're like who is this guy that commands the storm that commands our hearts that commands our spirits that commands our circumstances who is this guy you see jesus is the great redeemer and he allows the enemy and circumstances to be less than ideal why to deepen our faith and give us a greater revelation of who he is the disciples had a greater revelation of who Jesus was after this storm than when it first began a revelation they might not they might not have had had that storm not come so god will allow disruption in our lives not because he causes the storm, but because sin in Genesis chapter three entered into the world and this world is at a storm, in a storm. And this world and our lives are impacted by the brokenness of sin that you and I are not innocent of, but contributors to, because we are sinners. because of the brokenness of life, when storms come our way, And Jesus doesn't step in and prevent the storm before it even gets to us. He allows the storm to come to give us a greater revelation revelation of who he is. And he is in control. He is sovereign. He is powerful. He is the great redeemer of all things. You see, some of us still worship a Jesus that's in a manger. Some of us worship Jesus as if he's our homeboy, and he's not. He is a friend, but even equal, he is also king. He is also Lord. He is also creator of all things. And he is to be respected and revered and worshiped as so. You don't worship your friend, at least I hope you don't, but you do worship a king. You do worship a Savior, and it's time we treat him and believe in him as if he is one. One that has all authority, all power, and can work all things together for good. And he wants to take you to a place of understanding and revelation that you've never been before. Let me say it like this. Jesus will permit things to reveal things to show he's over all things and we can trust him and have peace in him during all things. Jesus will permit things in our lives. He will allow hardships and struggles and circumstances that disrupt the ideal to reveal things about himself to show he's over all things and we can have faith in him and peace Peace in him during all things. This is the mystery and majesty of Jesus that sometimes he will calm the storms, and maybe you've seen it in your life where you prayed for a miracle and you saw the miracle. Sometimes he will say, Hey, I know things are rocky right now circumstantially. It's going to be okay. But this is where running to Jesus in faith, knowing he will work all things together for our good is essential. So I end this message with this. This is not a message where I give you a lot of to-dos or what do I take away and practically apply to my life. This is not a to-do message. This is a what-to-believe message of when storms come, what do we believe? Here's what we believe. Are you ready for this? Jesus is in the storm with you, and he will see you through. This is what we should believe, that in every storm of life, storm of circumstance, storm of emotion, storm of faith, Jesus is in the boat too, and he will see you through. He will. What does see you through look like, Trey? There's a pastor who um, I don't know personally, but I know this story. His wife, they're in their their 60s, and his wife got cancer, and they were praying, praying for healing. Praying that God would take the cancer out of their mom, out of this spouse, out of this lady who so many people in the church uh, adored and appreciated and respected. And God chose not to heal her. And the son got up at her funeral. And with tears in his eyes, he just began to give this eulogy, and here's what he said. I knew because we are followers of Jesus, here's here's what was going to be true. We were praying for healing. God was either going to heal my mom or he was going to heal my mom. He was either going to heal her of cancer on this earth, or he was going to heal her in cancer when she saw him face to face. I knew my mom would be delivered. I knew she would either be delivered of cancer here on this earth or she would be delivered of cancer when she saw Jesus face to face. I knew that my mom would see a victory, whether a victory of health here on earth or a victory in heaven when the enemy thought that she ha- he had her be- with discouragement and disruption and the storm of cancer and of life. But that victory was ultimately promised to God of let's go to the other side. You will make it. And that storm may not calm here on earth, but you will make it. And this requires what? Faith. This requires faith. Explain it to me. I can't always. And following Jesus is not always a life of explanation, more of sometimes it's just revelation that he is still good and he is still in the storm. And he is still in control. And I pray and I will partner with you in prayer that he calms the storm. But if he doesn't calm it in our lifetime, I pray that he, I know that he will calm it in eternity. No matter what you're going through, Jesus is in the storm with you and he will see you through. Trust the Savior in the storm. Trust the promise and the problems. Go to him in faith. Keep your eyes on him and just trust in God. Trust in him. I'm gonna end it with this passage and then we're gonna close in prayer and we're gonna close in a time of worship and I'm not gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna just ask you to stay in your seats. If you just need to give some things to God and say, I've come to you faithless, but today I'm coming to you faith-filled and trusting and believing that you're in this boat with me. Because if I know you're in the boat with me, I know that peace is with me. Jesus did not say peace be still because he conjured up peace from the universe. He said peace be still because he is peace. And I trust that peace is in the boat with me. I trust that joy is in the boat with me. I trust that hope is in the boat with me. And we believe that. And as we pray, maybe you need to pray the lyrics to this song. That's what's great about these worship songs is sometimes they give language to feelings and emotions and thoughts we don't always know how to articulate. But I'm going to read this passage. I'm going to pray. And then you just do time with God. You meet with him. You have a moment where you go to him. Psalms 46.1, it says this. God is our refuge. The person we run to. When we're scared, we don't know what to do. He is our safe place. And not just our safe place, he is our strength. And here's the key, Psalm 46, one: An ever-present help in times of trouble. That is a promise that is over your problem. Heavenly Father, we love you and we're thankful for you. And God, we pray this morning that I don't know the stories and I don't know the storms, I don't know the circumstances, I don't know the emotions, I don't know the faith, but here's what I do know. I do know that you're here, you're good, you're present, you're active, your spirit is stirring in the hearts of people as I speak. And as we opened your word, you are doing a work in somebody's heart. You are creating a moment in which they can accept truth. And here's the thing about you, moments create movements so that way when the next storm arises, that maybe that storm of emotion and that storm of faith doesn't, we don't have to walk through it because our storm of circumstance did not override the storm of your presence. And God, I the, the, the promise of your presence. And so God, this morning, we worship you, we praise you, we bring all things before you, knowing you're over all things, above all things, in control of all things, and in all things. Thank you for being in the boat with us. Thank you for being present in the storm, for being our refuge and strength. And God, I pray this in faith over the people's lives, over their spirits, maybe not even over their storms, but over their spirits. God, peace be still. In the name of Jesus, in faith, amen.